0: Welcome to the Global Math Department. My name is Joe Bemis, and I will be your host tonight. Tonight, we're going to hear from Lebo and Vanessa about some wonderful topics. Lebo is going to tell us some snippets from some conferences that he's attended this year, and Vanessa is going to teach us some routines to leverage strengths and optimize learning in our classrooms. Um, Tonight, we would like to have everybody introduce themselves in the chat window telling us what you teach, where you teach, what your Twitter handle is, and we're having a little fun with um, degrees Celsius or degrees Fahrenheit, so go ahead and throw that in. We got another Celsius from Bangkok, so we're going to have to look up that um, equation. Before I introduce our speakers, let me explain how these meetings work. These meetings are recorded and are available within 24 hours after the meeting ends. To view the recording, you can use the same URL you used to get here tonight. The global math community prides itself on being friendly and supportive. The chat room is available for topical and general conversation throughout the meeting. I'll do my best to try and catch questions for the presenters, so don't worry if the presenter won't notice your question in the chatter. Tonight, we're gonna start off with Lebo, who is in New York. And I'm going to turn the mic over to Lebo and let him introduce himself, give us a little bio, and tell us about all these great conferences and ideas that he gathered for us. So Lebo, it's all yours.
1: Thank you, Jill. Uh, Thank you, everybody. Thank you, welcome. And thank you for being here. Uh, My name is Lebo Valencia. I'm a math teacher at Horace Gurley High School. I'm also an adjunct lecturer at CUNY Lehman College. Um, I've been teaching for 12 years Um, during my career I had the opportunity to teach everything from remedial algebra classes to calculus and um, tonight I'm very excited I'm very excited to be here I'm very happy because um, I would love to share how um, the global math department has impacted my teaching over the over this past year oh and by the way my twitter handle is at mrvalencia24. So the question is like I have a short presentation, and how has the global math department impacted my teaching? So uh, to be completely honest, I learned about the global math department probably a little more than a year ago, and then since then, I started teach. Uh, I started attending webinars. I watched probably like all of the secondary math uh, webinars that we had over the past year, and I also uh, watched some of the ones that were there from from before, and. Through the webinars, I have learned and connected with some amazing educators. Uh, this is just like a, 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 a small sample, but um, I've learned so much over the past year. So when I was putting together the presentation and I was thinking about like, how has the global math department impacted my teaching? I thought of like three three different ways. So the three different ways that I thought about were like engaging my students, assessing my students, And doing allowing my students to like math play. So, on the first way uh, of uh, engaging, uh, over this past year, as many other teachers, um, uh, my school was working in a a hybrid model. We started with most students remote and some, a few students in person. Well, right now is the complete opposite. We have a few students at home and most students are in person, thank God. So, in it, to engage my students um, especially the students that were remote um, one of the things that I started using a lot was the annotate feature on zoom uh, which allowed students to like um, make their thinking visible to me and not not only to me but also to their classmates so this was a fantastic way to get the students that were at home to participate and share and then all their students could, could see what the what their classmates were thinking um, Another great way to like engage my students in class, regardless of like the, of the level, was use using which one does not belong. This was fantastic. This like saved my life, especially at the beginning of the school year in like the morning classes where the students were like so quiet. Um, my remote students at the beginning of the year will all um, like their cameras were on I could see that they were taking notes, but the classroom felt very passive. And that's not, that's not really my style. I wanted them to participate. I wanted them to talk. And um, I started using like, which one does not belong. I got some from like the website um, in the whatever topic we were covering. But then I started using my, my, the, my daughter's Legos on Star Wars. And this was fantastic because then I couldn't get the students to stop talking. And it was great after doing this for like a couple of weeks, the students were like more comfortable to talk and then to participate in math conversations. So using which one does not belong was fantastic. Um, another feature that I use on Zoom was the, the, the poll the, the poll feature this to be honest didn't take a, as long as I, as i thought i honestly took a slide of my presentation and i turned the question that i already had on the presentation into like a poll question that way the students that were at home were like not only like there was like an expectation for them to participate and some most of the time i made it anonymous So they were like more willing to share, and sometimes I didn't. And this way the students at home and the students that were in person were able to like participate. My goal was for them to have like a similar experience. I wanted the students that were remote to have like the same opportunity to participate than the students that were in person. Um, Also using visual patterns, this was fantastic. Again, I teach, uh, right this year I'm teaching like an advanced precal class, a geometry class an essential like algebra two class. And I use all the strategies with all my students and it was like just as effective. Um, the visual patterns was like a very good strategy to get them started. Uh, and again, keeping in mind that some of my students were remote, some of my students were in person, I will present the students with like a pattern and, t- and ask them like, okay, like what will number four look like? For the students that were in class, I will walk around and see what they did. And then for the students that were at home, I ask them to like put their paper like next to next to the computer it didn't always work sometimes like something happened but this was a great way to like create some community like the students at home were participating the students in person were participating and it was just a great way to like engage students and uh, in one of the the webinars that I that I attended I think it was by uh, Dr. Wills she thought about she talked about um making students think invisible and like this was a great way to like engage students and have them participate So like, that was the first thing that I wanted to talk about engaging the other thing that I wanted to talk about, especially this year was like, how to assess students. I think that, um, many math teachers around, around the world, uh, this year had the, the, the constant thought of like, am I, how, how do I assess my students properly? Right. So how do I assess them in a way that the work that they're presenting is authentic? So I still gave quizzes and I still gave tests and I had to make like so many versions of it like test, A, B, C, and D. But uh, a different approach to like assessing my students was giving them some like level of choice and giving them something like a Desmos art project. I did um, like three Desmos art projects on like the second market on the second half of the school year. One like when we finish rational functions, one when we finish conic sections, and then one like at the end of the school year. I I tried to be very flexible with the instructions. I asked my students, okay, like use at least like six different types of equations, six different types of functions, but no restriction on the number of equations. And I was really like blown away by the quality of their work. Like I was expecting them to, you know, use some of the equations, use at least like one of each, but the work that they did was amazing. I think that part of it was giving them some choice. I told them like, pick uh, your favorite movie, pick your favorite character, pick your favorite book. So they got to do math on something that they were passionate about. And it, it really showed on the on the result. These are a couple of examples from like some of my uh, pre college students. And it was great. They also had like a really, like a really good time. They were like very, pr- you could tell that they were very proud of the work. So like the Desmos art project was fantastic. As I mentioned, I'm also teaching a, a geometry class. There was one day where they were supposed to have a quiz um, on parallelograms, and I could tell, like I could tell by their faces, that they had spent like way too much time uh, online. So I told them, "All right, let's do something different. Get up." Go around your house, take a picture of a parallelogram, and then like take some time, walk around, take a picture of a rectangle, uh, uh, um, anything that you find that resembles a parallelogram. So the students took a little break from the computer, got a picture, came back, and then Mr. Lenz said, now what do we do with the picture? So uh, then I said, post it on, upload it to GeoGebra, and then use Using the coordinates that you get in geogebra prove or disprove that is actually a parallelogram. And it was like only one question. My original quiz had more, more questions on it, but this was like more authentic. They got to walk around. They took a picture of something that they wanted and then they work on it. So, um, it it was, again, they were more engaged. They got to play with the technology and they got to show each other like, Oh, this is the picture that I took. And it was just like really nice, very positive um this if you haven't done this you need to do the pringles and circles this you could pretty much do in any class i've done it in in algebra and geometry in algebra 2 in pre and cal basically you ask the students to like create um to make up a circle uh using pringles there's like several tutorials online i've posted some of the instructions for this lesson on 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 my twitter account uh but basically they make uh the, the pringles they make the circle and then once they're ready i ask them to take a picture of it put it on Desmos and then come up with the equation for that particular circle. So again, it's only like one question, but it's more authentic. And the students have a blast doing this. I did it um, last year, well, like before the pandemic and it was great and I also did it this year. So some students, the students were responsible for getting the Pringles and thank God they all did. And and it was just a great project. They were very happy, they had a lot of fun. And, and, uh, and it's something that I will highly, highly recommend. So assessing my students in a different way when I'm giving them like some choice is also something that I picked up from the global math department. And then um, the last thing that I want to talk about is this year in particular, I, I was making an effort to allow my students to do some math play. So um, I'm teaching a, a, a pre-calculus well, it's like a pre-calculus slash calculus class. And one of the things that I kept on doing was anytime we did like a new like a new unit on like a calc unit, I will look for a GeoGebra like GIF. Um, you can find them online, you can find them on Twitter. And this like speaks volumes. You show them this and it gets their attention. They get to share it on their social media. So it's, it's really positive. They get to visualize what we're learning. This was an example of like an optimization the the open the open top box with the you cut out the corners um so we actually actually after we did this we did the lesson and they actually got to build it build their own like um box with the maximum volume so it was a lot of fun another one that we did recently was uh, tracing the derivative um this was also fantastic because they got to play with it and then i sent them the um, the link for the GeoGebra app, so they can like try different functions. And it was just like a lot of fun. Instead of doing like a worksheet with like 10 different questions or 20 different questions, I send them the link to the GeoGebra app. And then and then they can like make it I, I could tell you from like seeing my students that they will do way more when they're playing with it than if it was like a worksheet. Um, as I mentioned before, uh, my students are big Star Wars fans, like like Mr. Valencia. Like, who doesn't like Star Wars? So, like, anytime I had uh, uh, an opportunity to make a connection between, like, Star Wars and geometry, I did. I took advantage of it. And my students loved it. Um, this was, like, the, the do-now question when we were, like, introducing tri- um, trigonometric functions for the first time. So, I related to Ahsoka Tano. And then, like, what's your favorite polygon? And, of course, Qui-Gon is there. So, this is just fun. The students remember this. Um, they, they like it. They, they talk about it. It, like, sticks. Um using memes is also fantastic. like now like nowadays like in in their social media, they see memes all the time. Uh, this was one from like uh, my pre-cal class where like there was a divergent series, so they, this was funny. They do remember this. If you have like one slide in your presentation that you know brings a smile, it makes them think about something else, it makes them like they'll talk about it uh, later on. And then re- more recently, I got this from like one of my colleagues a, a, a Mad Jedi, uh, Ms. Chris Carlson. Uh, after our students uh, learned how to differentiate using the limit definition, we gave them a license to derive. So this is, I know it, it sounds like, oh, that's easy, but it's really nice. The students like it um, and it, they, 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 you're doing something different that they really appreciate. So in conclusion, if I had to tell you like, what have I learned from like the global math department over this past year, it's like three main things. First. I feel that attending the global math department webinars has helped me to like adapt my, my teaching practices to, be, like, to better serve my students in a hybrid world. And I picked up like a lot of new tricks. Also uh, be like more willing and open to try new things. I'm gonna be honest, that's, that was hard for me as like a math teacher and like as a teacher, you wanna be in control of everything, but you have to let go. You have to be willing to try, th- try new things. Sometimes they, it doesn't work, which is okay, because now you know it doesn't work. Uh, but it, it's definitely something that is worth it. And I think teaching like in a hybrid model during the pandemic, like that is the time. Like if you do to try new things, then then one. Then, then then when would you do it? And then the last thing is like, be open-minded to like new ideas. Um, honestly, I attended some webinars and I, I look at the idea and I said, okay, this is a fantastic idea, but that wouldn't work for me. Um, or like it will work for like geometry, my geometry class, but not for my pre-calculus class. So those are the three things, Adapt, be willing to try new things and be open-minded. And thank you very much. <laughs>
0: hey, hey, Lebo, we've, I've got a couple questions if you will take yes. a few minutes to answer. Um, of course. First of all, once somebody wants to know, Abby wants to know how long did you give them for the Desmos art project?
1: So it was um, two class periods. So this was the Desmos art project was after we finished our our section on like, chronic sections. So they did get to practice the material like prior to the Desmos art project. And then we had like a day that it was like a half day. So we started then I gave them instructions. We walk around and I could tell you that the best tech support for students is like older students, because like there were things that I know how to do on Desmos that the students figure out while they were trying to do it. So I gave them like a class and a half. It was like a half day. And then like an entire class period. Um, And it was fun. Um, it it, it was a lot of fun if they need, again, I was like very flexible. So if they needed like an extra day, I wanted them to have fun and to practice the math. So to answer the question, it was like two days.
0: Okay. Um, was there a big learning curve for using this technology? Some of my students come into my classroom with limited use of technology. So
1: that, that's a great question. So my student, many of my students use Desmos for the first time this year. So the I will say that it's probably harder for us teachers to get used to the technology. I can tell you that the students will pick it up really fast. Um, as long as we like set up the platform, and like I feel like that I'm comfortable with technology, but I didn't have all the answers. A lot of times they will say, like, Mr. Lancia, how do I change the color of this? And I will like struggle, try to figure it out, and then like <laughs> somebody will will figure it out, and then they will share that. So, like, it was different levels. There were some students that I had from like previous years, so like that had done Desmos before, probably not on like at this level, but I could tell you that the students will be able to pick it up faster.
0: Okay, um, another person wants to know if there's any way you would be willing to share the directions that you gave for the Desmos art project. Oh, of
1: course, so I'll put it I'll. I can add it to this presentation and then uh, I think we'll leave, we're thinking about doing like a PDF and sending it to everybody that attended the session. So of okay. course, yes.
0: Okay, and let's see. Um, I think that's it. And I just wanted to double check. Um, can you show them your Twitter handle again, just to make sure yes. that we got it in the chat correctly?
1: Um, yeah, it was at uh, Mr. Valencia 24.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Lebo. That was awesome. And a great, Thank you. great introduction to the power of watching our webinars. So yes. we greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we're going to now turn our, um, night over to Vanessa, who is going to teach or talk to us about routines that leverage strengths and optimize learning. Um, we are going to probably run a little bit longer tonight because of the double presentation, but, um, I am sure all of you are going to get great ideas. So Vanessa, I am going to mute myself and turn it over to you and let you go.
2: Well, thank you. Hello, everyone. I've been so sitting here at the edge of my seat listening to Lebo uh, speak. Thank you so much for all those ideas and the energy you put in the room. I'll do my best to build on that. Uh, So welcome, everyone. My name is Vanessa Jeraholu. I'm a former high school math teacher, now working with teachers in different settings across every uh, space imaginable. I've been learning a lot about folks here through the chat. Thank you. Allow me to share a little more, a little about me. Um, so I'm Vanessa and I love my family. I love learning. I love math. My parents are from Mexico, uh, Durango and Michoacan to be specific, and my husband is from Turkey, Istanbul. And negotiating meaning is a constant in my life. Between Spanish, English, and Turkish, we are constantly finding ourselves in that dance of creating and constructing, co-constructing a shared understanding i'm particularly fascinated by the things kids say it's all a conversation starter what you see here on the screen are two things that my own sons have said to me at different points in uh, life whether we were eating burgers at a local restaurant or sitting listening quietly to a teacher at back to school night and the math was just bubbling out of them they could not contain themselves so um I, I really do uh, want to just kind of put this in there and this idea of we're negotiating, we're kind of co-constructing. So in the spirit of language and um, this collaboration, might I invite us to begin the session with uh, doing some math together? And I'm going to try something. My heart is beating like out of my chest. So I'm going to try something and I'm going to invite you to go with it. And be open, just like Lebo asked us to. Be open, be flexible, and be ready for anything. Y'all ready? Because here we go. Ne görüyorsun? Ne acaba? Ne görüyorsun? Ne acaba? Söyle Ne görüyorsun? Ne acaba? Söyle bana. Evet, doğru söylüyorsun. Doğru, evet. Çok var, çok güzel yaptınız. Teşekkür ederim. <gülüyor> Thank you, thank you everyone. So I'm gonna ask you to take a moment, look at these beautiful observations that surface. Can I invite you to take a moment to kind of reflect on what you were feeling, what you were thinking as it came at you with my best Turkish. Um, How did you make sense of what I asked of you? Might I have a couple of brave souls share in the chat? How did you make sense of what was being asked of you? Give me everything and anything you've got. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to hear more about the prior experience. Is that with the language of Turkish? My hands. That's okay. Yes, Veronica. Thank you. I understand that. The graphs. Thank you. <laughs> Holly I appreciate that I had no idea what you're saying but I try to figure out the slope we often ask what do you notice what do you wonder so I just went with it yes Rachel good guess that is my best translation of what do you notice and what do you wonder in Turkish I think if my husband saw that he would wonder what are you saying there but that's, that's good. looking for patterns I saw the numbers in the graphs and used what I know about graphs thank you thank you for sharing these ideas <laughs> Yes, and Miss Ralph, absolutely no idea. Just hoping you wouldn't call on me, right? If we were those ways, looking for a place to connect with someone else, so that way we can make sense of this. The you, the resource of a visual, what I was hanging on to the graph. I wasn't sure what the goal was. Thank you, Lauren. I appreciate that. What right? Wondering what's expected of me. The questions at the top screen. Yeah, the insulin, the micrograms, gave us an idea of what the what the graph was about. So notice, David, might, might I interpret or infer from what you're saying is that some of these words were close enough to words that you're familiar with in terms of insulin and microgram. <laughs> thank you, Julie. The, the typing, let's throw it in the chat. Awesome, thank you. So now, as we move on, I wanted to, Highlight some of the resources that we were all tapping into as we were making sense and yes There were different levels of experience in terms of feelings that we were Experiencing through that um, Through through this experience take a look at what the rest of the prompt looks like Imagine if this is what I had started with and this is the whole prompt translated into Turkish. It started in English but so take a look at how the chunking itself Gave space to leverage the strengths that you bring to the table. Take a look at the chat. These are all strengths that we bring to the table. And that we've got a chance to leverage and use in this space before the rest of it comes up and invites us to do math. So before we transition into deeper into this uh, presentation might I ask you to think about what is a new insight you have about the English learners you work with or language learners because I noticed we have folks from all over the world. So when someone's new to your language What's a new insight you have for them? Could you type it in the chat and just hold off? We're gonna do a waterfall. I'll do a countdown and when we hit one, we'll all press enter and just flood this uh, chat space with insights that we've gained into the experience of language learners. Right, i right, I'm gonna do a countdown. When I hit one, we'll all press enter. So if you're typing something, get to the pausing point. Ready? Three, two, one. Press enter and let's see what comes up. Thank you. Yes, yes. And now it's going fast, all right. So take a moment to process some of these statements. And what I'm going to do is invite you to hold on to what we're seeing here. What are all these insights that we've gained into uh, the the language learners in our room? And then (laughs) then we're going to go into, um, I'm gonna share some pieces that's relatively new knowledge to me that I'm so excited to put out here with y'all. So. Allow me to uh, transition into leveraging strengths. So what are these strengths? We we got a taste test of them in the chat. And what I want to do is kind of put some more in the room for us. And I'm, studio audience, I'm gonna invite you to make connections to what we're seeing in the chat. So did you know that when people are multilingual, multiple languages are running in the background? So all my mathy folks, imagine a bunch of sine waves going at the same time as you're trying to process what's coming at you. So this helps develop, um, pardon, and in order to do that, this calls for uh, strong executive functions, which then supports our multilingual folks in being uh, great, paid great attention to detail as well as decoding and being able to read because it kind of Helps strengthen those muscles, if you will. Another strength that um, multilingual folks have been found to have is a strong sense of empathy. They, they are this idea of being multilingual helps with perspective taking and the ability to take uh, to think about the mental states of others and of self. And lastly. That dance that the brain does and going from left side to right side as it's trying to figure out which language is happening, what's happening here, what can I connect to something I already know. In doing that dance, we get denser gray matter. So these are all strengths that multilingual folks have. And when we think about it, our emergent multilingual folks, these are strengths that are starting to develop. And much like what we saw here reflected in the chat we definitely want to I want to invite you to think about creating those spaces and opportunities for students to really leverage and tap into those strengths they bring into the table they're bringing to the table to then have access to the math and um, in, in the conversations around them. Allow me to share a quote from Jeff uh, Zwires. Take a moment to read to yourself. So let's explore one of these blind spots, solving equations. Right, we've gone to the point where it's like, oh, whatever you do to one side, do to the other side, we're good, we're good, keep it going. So let's think about what that means when we're in the classroom with multilingual students and how math language routines might give us those opportunities, scratch that, not might, will give us those opportunities and space for students to really tap into the strengths they bring to the table. So first language uh, routine that I like to uh, share with y'all is stronger and clearer each time. And I'm going to do this through story, sharing a story and experience. And um, some of the people working on this, this is coming from a paper that, uh, that came out of UL Scale. Uh, Jeff Swires was one of the authors and one of the other authors is here in the chat. Look for her name, Vince Darrow. So a nod to you. Thank you for coming. So ready for the story? Here we go. I was teamed up with an eighth grade teacher and I uh, we were trying to make sense of what might creating these spaces and structures for uh, supporting and leveraging strengths of our multilingual students look like in in her classroom. And uh, we were tackling this, uh, it's mentioned eighth grade prompt, where we were asking students to write an equation to represent each hanger. Can I invite you to take a moment to make sense of the prompt and consider what equation you would write and share that in the chat when you're ready. So, I know that it says in each hanger. I, I'm zooming into one hanger for this exercise, for, for this example. So, a triangle weighs three grams and a circle weighs six grams. And students were asked to write equations to represent this hanger. As uh, she and I circulated the room, here's the different equations we saw in that space. Take a look, see if you can make the correspondence. So, a triangle weighs three grams, each circle is six and we're writing equations to represent. Now the day's learning goal, allow me to put that in the room for us, was to comprehend that adding and removing equal items from each side of an equation, or multiplying and dividing items on each side of the equation by the same amount are moves that keep the equation balanced. So take a look, reflect on that learning goal, and recall the three equations we had in the room. Now we know this about her classroom. In her classroom, there was a full range of uh, multilingual students. Some were newcomers, maybe very limited English, to others who are much more proficient. And we had to figure out, okay, how are we as educators, how will we know what they comprehend? And so we sat down and we puzzled and we landed on Stronger and Clear. And here's kind of our thought process. We figured we would invite students to pick two equations, any two of these three. And then we would ask students to explain how are the equations related. And to support that thinking and that processing and ability to communicate, we were thinking we're gonna use stronger and clearer each time, that routine. So prepared and with our, our game plan in mind, We headed off, and we used a template that looks like this. It was co-developed with friends. And the blue writing, I know it might be tiny on some screens, was our uh, using of Google Translate to get the English, which is in black, into Spanish, which is in blue. And we went to the class, and we introduced the routine. And so the routine has several steps. You have a mathematical question, and the prompt can be seen way at the top, and we invite students to share their preliminary thinking How, what's to describe the relationship between the two equations. We give students some quiet think time to write. We invite them to see themselves saying it to somebody in the room, and then we invite them to do a pair share. And then after that pair share, we give kids a space to write some notes to self before they go on to another pair share and connect and share their thinking with someone else. After that pair share, they have a chance to write another note to self. Before now, they sit down and write their new thinking, or version 2.0 of their original response. So in summary, these are the steps to the stronger and clearer each time. You all want to see what happened, okay? I want to share with you all one of my favorite uh, responses from a young a young gal named Rosa, and she was um, maybe somewhere in the middle, but closer to still emerging bilingual, and uh, from English uh, from Spanish into English. So let's take a look at um, uh, Rosa's response. Allow me to read um, her preliminary response. She said, "Se relacionan sumando tres veces seis para sumarlo." 3 más 6 más 6 más 6 es igual a 4x más 6. Porque cuentas los números, Elena take triangles on the left side. After her first share with a buddy in the room, notice the next statement. La ecuación es la misma, a la, a la otra. On her second share, she added, porque unos son iguales. You all wanna see her her second iteration? Ready, ready, ready? Here we go. So, how are the equations related? Why does this make sense? Because las dos ecuaciones son los mismos, cada vez que los sumamos, they are related because un can use both of them to solve the problem. They are equivalent because there are two pentag- pentagons. They are the, we don't know the rest. Take a moment to reflect on that response and that evolution. What do you notice? Are you as excited as I am? So when we think back on the strengths of multilingual um, individuals, might I ask you to think about how does this routine leverage students' strengths? Can I invite a few brave souls to share some of the ideas in the chat? What's a connection that you're making between that routine, Rosa's story, and the strengths our multilingual students bring to the table? All right, folks, that was a moment of reflection. I'm gonna transition into the second math language routine that I like to introduce for today. And um, and see, um, give us another test run at creating those spaces and opportunities to leverage students' strengths. Here we go. This next routine is called Co-Craft Questions from the same document that I was pulling from before. So in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to position yourself in the place of an Algebra One high school self, an Algebra One student, and I'm going to invite you to take a moment to study this image. And might I invite you to um, listen as I kind of read along, and then the question I'm going to pose and give you a couple of minutes to puzzle on is what mathematical questions could we ask? Okay. H of T is a percentage of homes in the U.S. Um, let's see. C uh, in the United States, I have a landline phone in year T. C of T is a percentage of homes with only a cell phone. Here are the graphs H of T and C of T. What mathematical questions can we ask? Thank you, Jill, for getting us started. Continue to add. I'll invite you all to continue to add. Take a look at all these beautiful mathematical questions that are starting to surface. Finding my notes, sorry (laughs) y'all. Can I invite you to take a look, kind of scroll through them and see if you're noticing any patterns in the mathematical questions that have started to surface. appreciate that. Are there homes that have both? Okay. Lots of questions are comparing. Thank you. Prediction is a common theme. Thank you. Okay. So these are ways that we have sorted. Might I share with you some questions that uh, came, that surfaced from working with students um, in in these settings. So take a look. Here's a, a small set of questions that. I have managed to gather with my work with students and see what parallels you find between what students were asking and what we as a group of educators have been asking. Now I'll invite you to think about how might students sort or think about these ideas that have surfaced. (laughs) <laughs> right. I love it. I love the overlap. So from here, um, I think I have another moment of reflection, so I'm not, I'm not going to editorialize. Uh, I'll invite it to keep coming uh, from here though. I would say something like, Hey, y'all see this question up here, is there an exact rate? Can we focus on that question for just a bit as we transition into the rest of today's task? Okay. And so that moment of co-crafting questions that we just experienced would come right before I then invite students to open their texts or take a look at the fuller prompt to now engage in doing some more mathematics. And the cool thing is if we have students who kind of finish quick and go, I got this, we have a whole bank of questions sitting for us to tackle and to keep working and deepening our mathematical understanding. And so folks, I'm gonna ask that question again that I asked a few minutes ago. In what ways is this routine providing space to leverage the strengths that our emerging multilinguals are bringing to the table? As you type, I'm gonna to continue to scroll and see some patterns, that, some ideas that surfaced earlier. Looks like, I have, like there's folks in the room who have experience with these routines. Uh, Veronica pointed out earlier, students are learning from each other and developing their ideas on the topic. Right? They're bridging, thank you. Thank you, Veronica and Vinci. This idea of students get to show off what they're curious about and how cool. That's something that they're wondering and something they're curious about becomes the center of conversation in math class. Thank you. The power of observation and finding words to put to our thoughts. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for these ideas. And I'm looking at the time, I think we have time for one more. So, one more of my favorite routines. Uh, And this one, it's a compare and connect. So think about today, this idea, this running theme is exploring routines that truly open up space for our students, our emerging bilinguals, our emerging multilingual students to grapple and develop language proficiency while at the same time taking on and deepening their mathematical understandings. So in this routine, let me see. Um, This one is an example from a seventh grade classroom. And in this routine, students, uh, as a teacher, I would need to harvest. I think I'm gonna borrow that word from someone in here. I'm gonna harvest some student work to use. So can I invite you to Think about this question here, number two. Use numbers to describe how moons A, B, and C are different from moon D. And if it's possible, Melanie, might we be able to throw in that Desmos link and give you a chance to show me how you're thinking about using numbers to describe moons A, B, and C and how they're different from moon D. We got it. Okay. Command C. We're gonna work. Thank you. Thank you, Melanie. All right, folks. Can I invite you to jump into? Can you do you have, jump into this um, Desmos? Melanie has shared a link in the chat. And then for those of you who are faster with whatever device you have, I'll share that screen. And I'll just give you a couple minutes to play. How would you use numbers for this task? We have some folks on. Thank you. Nice. We have lots of folks on. going to try to use a snapshot feature of Desmos and make sense of this. I am appreciating the different ideas that are surfacing. Do the rj, and... Alright folks, so let me see if I can anonymize this let see if that's working here. Did I anonymize here? i want to look at my snapshots. And so for this routine, which we would want to do is collect some student work. And so notice I just invited you all to share some of your thinking. And I would grab a couple of pieces to put out there for conversation for students. And so that's the beginning of this compare and connect routine. The next steps, I would invite students to make sense of the two pieces of student work that we picked to take a look here. And we invite them to puzzle. What is the same about the two ways of solving? What is different about the two ways of solving? And then the third question I'm throwing in the mix, What do the ratios represent in each person's work? And I know we didn't get that far. I didn't give enough time for that. And how does each ratio prove moon D is not like the others? And so this would happen prior to a whole group uh, conversation. And so remember, these were some of the pieces that we noticed, and it's starting to look like my mathematician here on this side is measuring, putting numbers in different ways then our mathematician here, right? And we can puzzle about that. What's the same? What's the different? Do both of these ways work? And how might we use that to show um, on the uh, double number line or uh, or table, which of these moons doesn't belong? All right, folks, so that was a very quick taste, (laughs) look at compare and connect offering it again as another space uh, and another way to truly engage students with each other's thinking. Uh, here, I came prepared with some sample student work just in case, um, where we have Ani who went about it, looked like almost like what Miss Veronica was doing with the dots on the outside. And then Benny, which is a common approach that I'm seeing across many of our screens, measuring the, in the width of the moon compared to the height And notice benny decided to call that little width the belly the belly of the moon so uh lots of different space here for students to then uh puzzle connect and talk about what's the same what's different and what are the ratios represent and how does that help prove anything all right so folks um We are at um, coming slowly to an end, and this is where I wanted to invite you to think about, again, how did this structure give students a space, right? This idea of working from work that was um, analyzing their colleagues, their peers' work, looking for similarities, looking for connections in like a pairing setting before we go to a whole group setting, and how does this provide space to truly leverage the ideas for, um, to leverage the strengths of our uh, multilingual, emergent multilingual students. Thank you for the connections that you're making. I appreciate that. Um, As we start coming to a close, I wanted to offer one last food for thought. So, I I think this one I picked up from, was it an article? Everything's, um, all my resources are cited on the last slide. I'll make sure that we post this somewhere. Um, decades of research show that when a native English speaker enters a conversation among non-native speakers, understanding goes down. Global communication specialist Heather Hansen tells us that's because a native speaker doesn't know how to do what non-native speakers do naturally, which is speak in ways that are accessible to everyone using simple words and phrases. So I when I heard this, I couldn't help but think, sounds like another great reason to make space and offer structures to truly engage our students, to connect with other students, and, and exercise that co- co-construction of meaning um, on this journey that we have. So thank you, thank you, everyone. Um, Making student work visible leverages variety. Thank you so much, Vincy. There's a di- all these great insights in the chat. I'll invite you to please do uh, tap into that resource and, as you're making connections to your experience and what we see here. Um, thank you. My name is Vanessa Jarraholu. Uh I tweet at my math soul. Kind of just follow people, but yeah, and uh, my email's there in case uh,
0: you wanted to reach out. Thank you, thank you, Vanessa. We have one question for Veronica. She wants to know how often do you use these structures? Do you use them every time you start a new activity or topic? How long do you typically spend on this? So the
2: um, I'm so glad that Vince is here. So here's a connection I want to add. Um, you know when you cook, and you just you have your toolkit available to you, all these seasonings and spices that you use as needed. That was the original intent of these routines. These routines you use as needed. And so um, the uh, examples that I used here today come from um, this link down here at the bottom, the illustrative math, Kendall Hunt, where there's some guidance of when you can use them. So somebody's done that thinking for me. But when we don't use that curriculum then we really have to think about okay what's the goal in what ways do i want to create a space for my students to connect to others and talk about whatever it is the mathematics or leverage their their natural curiosity and what they bring to the table so there's an element of looking at that learning goal to then look at how will i leverage what students bring to the table
0: awesome thank you everyone for joining us but mostly thank lebo and vanessa for a wonderful entertaining night i think we're all walking away with wonderful ideas and um, thank you for sharing i hope you'll all stick around for a few more minutes if you have any questions everyone in attendance remember that you will get a link for the recording of this our next webinar is not until august 10th that's when we'll restart for the fall but we want to encourage everyone to go to globalmathdepartment.org and watch the recordings. That's how Lebo got started on all this great um, interaction with Global Math Department. And so we would encourage you to go watch the videos and recordings of the webinars. Thanks again, Lebo and Vanessa. And I do not see any questions. So I will go ahead and stop the recording and end this for tonight sounds good thank you thank you thanks again vanessa for joining us you did an awesome job